Let me again welcome you to the South Suburban Vineyard Church. Uh, like Shannon said, for those of you who don't know me, my name is David Jacob Maldonado. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm just so glad that you decided to come this morning. Uh, also, just want to recognize the people who are watching us on our live stream. Uh, I, look, I, I love that our community expands beyond these walls. And so I love that people are watching in some very, very faithfully. Uh, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us virtually this morning. Well, as um, Shannon mentioned, I'll be continuing our current sermon series. I'm actually going to be concluding our current sermon series that we've just simply been calling Encounter. Encounter. And when we first started the series, my mind immediately went to a book that has kind of been in circulation for a few years now, uh, a book called uh, Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. Maybe some of you have read that book. But the premise of the book is that uh, each of us can connect with God in different ways because, well, we are different. And, you know, maybe, maybe you've heard of the book, The Five Love Languages. It's a really popular book, right? With the idea is we receive love in different ways. Maybe you've taken a Myers-Briggs personality test or you've been swept in the recent craze of the Enneagram, right? Who knows their Enneagram number? Okay, not so much in this church, but it's... I've been in some circles that people are like, what number are you? It's like, back up, babe. Take it easy. What's trying to figure me out? Um, no, but the idea is that, I mean, there's many, many books, right, that tell us that we're different and it's okay. It's okay that we're different. And so similarly, we're, uh, the, the, the author tries to help us understand that each of us are wired uh, in such a way that we connect with or have encounters in some ways that are easier for us than it might be for other people. For example, he starts the book that, that, uh, by talking about naturalists. Naturalists, people who connect with God very easily when they're out in nature. Now I can tell you that I have had some really powerful encounters uh, uh, with God when I was out in nature, but, but those are very few and far between for me. But, but a friend of mine regularly goes hiking because she loves to connect with God, and she regularly connects with and encounters God when she's out in nature. And so she's a naturalist, right? Other people are sensates, people who connect with God uh, because they, they see something or hear something or smell something that reminds them of the goodness of God. You know, if you've been around church for any length of time, you might have seen or know somebody who, who gets all teary-eyed as soon as, like, the first chord is played on the, on the keyboard, right? They hear something. They hear music. They might see some, some art, and they connect with the goodness of God, right? The sensates aren't hearing anything that I have to say because they're just waiting for the worship team to come back up. And that's okay. Look, you connect with God in your own way, but it's... It's, it's okay. Some people connect with God uh, most when they think deeply about the scriptures. Others connect with God most in their times of silence and meditation, and others feel closest to God when they're fighting for justice. And a few others that the book talks about, and I'm going to just kind of leave it there because we don't have time to, to get into it, but I wanted to introduce you to the book and maybe tease it a little bit, maybe pique your interest a little bit because I think it's well worth your time. And it's well worth my time to explore different ways of connecting with God and encountering God that maybe we hadn't considered before. For me personally, I was able to connect with, you know, two or three of the ways that the author listed out 
that I really didn't consider. And maybe we're outside of the prescribed Christian ways of connecting with God. And so I really got a lot out of that book. And so I just want to leave that there, maybe tease it a little bit and encourage you to go check it out. Explore different ways of connecting with God. Amen? All right, so I also loved how the author reminds us again and again that we can have meaningful encounters with God in the everyday mundane moments of our life. Everyday mundane moments of our lives. And this is actually where I want to camp out today. Listen, it's, it's, it's great to have these arresting encounters with God like, like Saul had on the road to Damascus, right? It's great to have these deeply personal moments uh, and and. And, and, and um, deeply personal moments like the woman at the well that she had with Jesus, right? It's, it's good to have these really big, life-changing, life-altering moments with God. All of that is good. We kind of know that we, we can encounter him in these really big moments. But what about the in-between moments? What about the in-between moments? What about the less awesome, the quieter and maybe even the boring moments of our life. Can we encounter God in those places? Well, I know, I know that we can meet God in those moments because he cares just as much about the high points of our lives as he cares about the mundane, everyday parts of our lives. And he wants to meet us all the time. You know, this is so important because, you know, if we just wait for the high moments we lose the opportunity to connect with God in the in-between. You know, I think this can be especially difficult to remember when we are serving other people. When we're serving other people. Which is why I'm so glad that Gary Thomas talked about caregivers in chapter 8. People who love God by loving others. The subtitle of the chapter. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Love God by loving others. Some of you are like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's my first week. <laughs> well, here at the South Suburban Vineyard, we believe that our purpose in life is summed up by the simple phrase, you can say it with me, love God, love people, live it out. Love God, love people, live it out. For us, this isn't an optional way of encountering, with, uh, encountering God connecting with God, we believe that serving others is at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. And I think a trap that we can easily fall into is seeing our service as a chore that we just have to get through because Jesus told us to and we want to be obedient. So we just do what Jesus told us to do and all it is is a chore and we have no real expectancy that God can meet us as we serve other people. And it really hit home for me as I was reading this book that it could very well be the case that maybe people just aren't, they're not aware. They had not considered that we can have meaningful, powerful encounters with God as we serve him and serve others. And you don't have to answer this out loud, but, but how often have you considered that as a possibility? Have you ever cons considered that you can meet God while you're running the soundboard? While you're setting up the coffee station? or checking in kids for kids' church, or shoveling snow for seniors, or doing laundry for your family, or raking leaves for your neighbors. How many of you consider that you can meet God in those 
moments. And again, I realize that this is easier for some people, right? It's easier for some people to, to reach that place, but make no mistake, we are all called to be servants. So if that's the case, if that's the case, why lose out on opportunities to connect with the living God as we serve him and serve others? I've titled today's sermon, Encountering God by Serving Others. I'd like to explore a little bit about what the Bible talks about, um, about the importance of serving others and how we might connect with God while we serve him and serve other people. So I'd like to start by reading maybe a familiar passage for some of you, a, a familiar story of Jesus serving his disciples by washing their feet. In John chapter 13, we're going to start reading in verse 1. We'll touch on a few other passages, but I want to, but I want to focus on this passage because I think it'll help us quite a bit as we consider how we can meet God as we serve him and serve others. So you're welcome to follow along with me in your Bible if you still have one of those ancient books around, uh, but you're also welcome to follow me on your phone, tablet. Uh, the words will also be displayed on the screen. John chapter 13, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Before we jump in, um, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I just I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. I thank you that you want to meet us in every part of our lives. I thank you that you love us, that we don't have to stir up some emotional high moment to, in order to have an encounter with you. God, I thank you that you are here. You care about us in this moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, do your work. Do what only you can do. Do, do the work in us that will tear, tear down, tear out anything that might prevent us from hearing your voice connecting with you this morning. Help us, Lord. Give us the courage to make whatever change we need to make so that we can hear you, encounter you, so we can bless you, love you, and love other people. Come, Holy Spirit, put power on these words. In Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter explained, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And, and the disciples and you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. 
Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. This is a rather compelling text for a number of reasons. I think maybe one of the most striking things is the cultural aspect of this. Maybe, maybe an aspect that we can't even wrap our minds around. See, in American culture, right, we have TV shows like Undercover Boss, where where we see, you know, people in power kind of rolling up their sleeves and, and, and sort of doing work uh, among sort of the common folks, right? We celebrate that. We like to see our politicians with their, with their suit jackets off and their, you know, their top button, you know, unbuttoned and they're rolling up their sleeves. And we love it even more when they're lifting, lifting a heavy object, right? We like to see this. We like to see people in power. We see it all the time trying to be humble but in Jesus' day, a well-respected rabbi, a, position in, a, 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 a person in Jesus' position would have never put himself in a lowly position. This would have been absolutely mind-blowing. It would have absolutely been mind-blowing. And, and uh, the, um, not only that, but, but Jesus' disciples knew him as the Son of God. It's not just that, that he was, you know, a prominent figure in the community, that Jesus' disciples knew him as the Son of God. And all of them would have been taught from an early age that God needs to be exalted above everything else, right? Don't ever put God below anything else. And so to see Jesus, the Son of God, kneeling before them, the very thought of it might have been offensive. And so, well, you know, in 2021, Peter's reaction might be a little extra, Right? In his day, it would have been very, very culturally appropriate. You see, Christian art over the years has depicted this serene moment, this precious, humble moment as, 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 as precious, right, as, as something that, that, that is just beautiful. But we should not let it escape us that this was an extreme action by Jesus, a moment of significant weight. And so what can we draw from this extreme moment, this extreme demonstration that might help us uh, encounter God in a meaningful way? There are three things that I want to pull out of this passage that I think might help us. The first thing is that serving others is something that we can't ignore. Serving others is something that we can't ignore. You know, I love, love, love that Gary Thomas presents the idea that, that people are different and we connect with God in different ways. And I don't think that he intended this at all. But I think that you can read his book and maybe walk away thinking that, that serving other people is, is optional. It's just an one, option, uh, one optional way of connecting with God. And again, I don't think that that was the case that he was trying to uh, do that, but but it would have been easy to read his book and, and say, you know what, serving isn't my thing. You know, my thing is this other thing. I connect with God in this way. Why don't we just leave serving to the people who, who get it right? Well, 
that doesn't really jive with all of Scripture, right? From cover to cover, we see passages like this tell us that serving others isn't optional. It's not something that we can ignore or dismiss or pass off to other people. Again, here at the South Suburban Vineyard, we take this very seriously and we strongly believe that loving and serving other people is at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus, right? This is who we're supposed to be. We can't ignore this. Listen to what Jesus says here, starting in verse 12. It says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Listen, Jesus doesn't just tell us passively in a, in, a, in a sermon one day that it would be a good idea to serve other people. He goes through this extreme demonstration to put a huge exclamation point on the fact that this is what we do. And if Jesus, our leader, our rabbi, our teacher, the one from whom we derive our identity, the one who is given all authority in heaven and on earth, the one who is sitting right now at the, at the right hand of the Father, if Jesus can get down to a robe and wash someone else's feet, who do you think you are? Who do, you th- who are, who do I think I am to dismiss, to write off and give the responsibility to somebody else? This isn't something that we can dismiss. You see, you can't live the life that Jesus calls you to and ignore serving others. The two go together. You see, I could preach the most compelling sermon, but if I'm not taking care of the people around me, something's not right. I could sing, or maybe not me, but someone else can sing the most beautiful song, right? But if they're not taking care of the people around them, they're not serving, something's not right. You can give all the money that you have to the church. And if you're not serving the people around you, something is not right. You missed it. You see what I'm saying? You see what Jesus is saying? Humbling ourselves and living as servants is the baseline of our purpose. You know, last week, Pastor Gino pointed out that we can make up any number of reasons, many, many reasons to not show up. Well, quite honestly, I think that we can make up even more reasons to not serve. Because let's face it, most of the time, serving is not fun. It's not fun. I mean, there might be a few occasions where you have a good time, but most of the time, it's not fun. And I love this imagery that we get in this, in this scene with Jesus. Not that I love to see our Lord and Savior in that position, but I love the imagery that it represents, that he shows us as he's, as he's kneeling down on a hard floor with nothing but a towel around his waist, washing some gnarly feet, some disgusting... I, mean, I can't imagine that his disciples took care of their feet. 
But here we have Jesus taking care of some gnarly feet. And I love it because it's a picture of how serving often feels. Serving is often very, very hard, very messy, and very dirty. It's very often uncomfortable and inconvenient. You're probably going to do more work than you intended to, and you most likely will get less recognition than you were hoping for. That's just the reality of it. It's not fun. It's not glamorous. Most of the time, I mean, sometimes it is, right? Sometimes we get the applause. Sometimes we get the pat on the back. But the vast majority of the time, if we're doing it right, we're on our own, kneeling, essentially kneeling in the dirt, washing someone else's feet. But even with all that said, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it for a number of reasons, but especially because it can be a powerful connection point. There's a second thing I want to pull out of this passage. Serving others is a powerful connection point with God. You see, when we serve others, we are connecting them back to Jesus. And whether we say it with our mouth, whether we have the opportunity to explain what we're doing, when we love on other people, we are connecting them to the love of Jesus. And when we serve, we are carrying on a beautiful heritage of humility and compassion and servitude that traces all the way back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And this example has been repeated again and again, generation after generation, and it traces all the way back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is no small thing. This is no small thing that we can trace that back to Jesus. You see, there's also another, connecting, another connection that's happening that we might forget about. You see, as we, as we, as we draw on the legacy that we have, the heritage that we have of humility and servitude, and we pay that forward to somebody else, what we can often realize or forget is that we are in the middle of that connection. Let me say that again. When we draw on and we remember the love and, 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 and servitude of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, and the, and the legacy that has been passed on from generation to generation, and we grab that baton and we reach forward and we pay it forward, we can sometimes forget that we are in the middle of that. We are in the middle of that. We are not creating a bridge that, that, we're, that is going over us. We are in the middle of that transfer of love. We're in the middle of that. And we shouldn't ever forget that. And I think that this, this is where we encounter God. See, I think it's at the intersection of serving others and remembering why we're serving others, that that's where we can really connect with God. You see, we can remember why we, we need to serve and have this moment of inspiration, right? But if we don't live it out, all that amounts to is, just a, is, a, is a fleeting moment, a fleeting feeling. Inspiration without action is a waste. Conversely, we can do the stuff 
right? We can expend the energy. But if we don't remember why we're doing it, all it is is just a withdrawal from our physical, emotional, and spiritual reserves. That's all it is. But when we put the two together, when we do the work and we remember why, we can connect with God, maybe in a way that we haven't before. Let me give you a real-life example. Have you ever done something in remembrance of somebody else, uh, and for that moment, whatever you're doing, you feel connected to them? Have you ever done that? Maybe you've lost someone or you've been separated from someone for a while and you, you, know, you do a certain action, you maybe go to a certain restaurant or whatever. You do something and, and, and in that moment you feel connected to that person. For me, both my parents are still alive and, and, and healthy, but, but they've lived really far away from um, our family for a really long time now, and I miss them, and I miss them. But every now and then I notice myself doing something that reminds me of them, and I feel connected to them, even though they're thousands of miles away. I'm not sure how many miles, but long, 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 long away. One of the ways that I feel really close to my dad is when I help people move. I know that sounds really weird, but it's true. You see, growing up, um, anytime someone in our church or even was connected to our church, anytime that someone was moving, my dad was there to help. And when my brothers and I got uh, old enough, when my brother and I got old enough, we were always with him, always with him. My mom tells this story of uh, my dad uh, when he helped someone move all by himself. And you would think that that would just be like this family lore, but I know it to be true because he would have done it again if I wasn't with him one time. I never forget the Sunday afternoon when after church, my dad just sort of casually asked me if I can you know, help a single mother move, you know, a few things, a few things out of her apartment. My dad was really good at underselling the details. Just move a few things. Uh, and, I, and I said, sure, I'll, I'll go with you. You know, that was kind of our thing, right? And we get there, and it turns out that it was like half an apartment's worth of stuff. And I just knew in that moment, like, my dad who was in his 50s at that point, mid-50s, he was, he was going to help that single mom move out of her apartment or die trying. I mean, that's just what he did. That's what he did. And in, in, and in that moment, and in so many other moments, because I don't know if people were more transient then, but we seemed to move a lot of people back then. But in that moment... I saw my dad serve and love a woman the way that Jesus would love her. My dad never took payment. All he wanted to do was serve people and connect them to the love of Jesus. And you see, he didn't just connect, Je connect that woman to Jesus in that moment. He connected me to Jesus. And he taught me how to connect to Jesus. And so every time I'm carrying a heavy appliance down a second story you know, tight, narrow, back hallway, I remember my dad. I remember my dad, and I feel close to him. And it sounds weird, right? But I feel close to him. And now it's my turn to continue that family heritage, which I, which I take very, very seriously. It's my, that's what Maldonados do. You know, I've been telling my boys that. 
You're a Maldonado. This is what we do. And now, now it's my turn to pass on that heritage and that legacy of serving others, connecting them to Jesus. Because I want them to know, and I want all of us to know, that when we serve others, we're connecting them to Jesus. And in the process, we ourselves are connecting to Jesus. You see how this works? You see how this works? Now, I want to slow down here because this, I mean, and I want to let this sink in because this is the key to connecting with God in the seemingly mundane parts of our lives. I hope you're able to see that there's a big difference between doing a chore because a task needed to be done versus doing something because there is purpose behind it. The purpose being that you want to share the love of Jesus with them. Right? We can do chores around the house because they just simply need to get done, or we can do chore, we can do the things around the house because we love our family. Right? We can, we can work out in the community because uh, you know, there's a hole that needs to be filled, or we can work in the community and, and, and sacrificially serve our community because we want our community to know the love of Jesus. There's a difference, right? There's a difference. We can help people around the church. We can help out here because a pastor asked you or somebody recruited you to one of the teams. Or you can roll up your sleeves and get to work because you are committed to making sure that anybody who walks through that door, at least while they're in this building, is able to encounter the love of Jesus. There's a difference, right? There's a difference. You see, we lose out on so many opportunities when we fail to see how serving others can be a powerful connection point for us and for the people we're serving. But this is the key. This is the key to encountering God in the mundane. And my desperate prayer for all of us this morning, that it unlocks something new in us. It unlocks a new way to connect with God. Amen? Finally, this is the last thing I want to pull out of the passage Last thing is, we must also, uh, we, must, we must allow others, I'm sorry, can't even read this. So We must allow ourselves to be served by others in a healthy way. Let me say that again. We must allow ourselves, uh, <laughs> we, we must allow ourselves to be served by others in a healthy way. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, in a healthy way. Now turn the other direction and say, in a healthy way. In a healthy way. Part of learning to serve well is allowing others to serve us. Did you know that? Now, some of you are like, this is great. When do we get started? Now, hang on. I'm going to talk to you in a minute. First, I want to talk to the people who might have responded the way that Peter did. Someone offers to help you in some kind of way, and your first reaction is to reject them, reject their offers. And sometimes this happens because of shame. We don't, we don't feel worthy of people's love and generosity, so we push them away, right? You know, this seems to be, the, this seems to be why Peter was pushing Jesus away. He just, he just didn't feel worthy. The son, of the son of God was kneeling before him about to wash his dirty feet. He didn't feel worthy, and so he tried to push Jesus away. Or maybe you feel ashamed and admitting that you need help is admitting that you can't do it on your own. It's being vulnerable. You feel ashamed. Or maybe it's pride. 
You reject people's offers because you genuinely believe that what they have to offer isn't good enough. That their help is, can't really serve you. In the church, this often masquerades as piety. We do this in the church. Did you know that? You're trying to be the most humble of the humble. You're trying to be the most servanty of the servants. And so you push people away and said, no, 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 I got this. I'm going to do this on my own. That's not, that's not healthy. That's pride. Whatever the case is, Jesus' response is the same as his response to Peter. And of course, I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus essentially says, you need this more than you think you do. You need to be served by others more than you think you do. Listen, if you consistently find yourself rejecting people's help, you must heed these words. You must. If you don't, you, you're going to do at least two things here. First, you're going you're gonna to do what my, my, my good friend Mike Wilson often says. He, said, he often says you're going to rob people of blessings. So he's real good at saying yes to receiving things, that is. <laughs> I don't want to rob people of their blessings. And listen, that sounds a little tongue-in-cheek, but it is deeply, it's incredibly wise and it's deeply biblical. You know, we often call this place Love University, right? This is where we learn to love other people. And other people are trying to practice loving and serving you, and you rejecting them is robbing them of their opportunity to love. And, and again, this might, you might come across as trying to be pious. No, 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 please don't. I, I got this. You, you know, I, I can do this on my own. But, but you're robbing them of the opportunity to love well and to serve well. And in turn, you're robbing them of blessings. The second thing you're doing is eliminating, eliminating opportunities to be refreshed. You need to be refreshed. If you're, consistent, if you're not consistently refreshed by others within the context of a healthy Christian community, you're traveling down a path that will almost certainly result in burnout. Listen, burnout is a terrible place. It's a point where you just, you've had it with church, with Jesus, with this whole thing. You're just emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes physically spent. I've seen this happen over and over and over. And now the doers in the room be like, you know what? Okay, I get it. I'll just get to burnout, and then I'll just push through. I want to warn you against that, because not everybody recovers from burnout. Many people leave the church, fall away from Jesus, because they reach this point, and they never recover. And it's because along the way, they have not been refreshing their souls. They have not allowed others to serve them. And as a community that deeply values servitude, we don't want to see anybody get to that place. If you find that you're always praying, always on stage, always helping with the kids, always doing something, you got to talk to somebody. And we, try, and we try our best to notice those things. And we try to schedule so that people have breaks. But sometimes we miss it. And, and it's really up to us. It's up to us 
to give up that insistence that, you know, I can just do it. I could do it. I could keep serving. There's a hole. I want to bless the community. I, 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 you know, come, maybe it comes from a good place, but you are leading to burnout, and we can't have that. It's not worth it. It's not worth your soul. You got to let others love you and serve you. Amen? Amen. All right. For those of you who find it a little too easy to let other people serve you, we have a different problem. You know, before I dig into this, I want to I very slowly and clearly say that I 1,000% understand that some people came today and they had to muster absolutely everything they had to just walk through the doors. Like, you're in a place in your life where just, just showing up is like the hugest victory. And you can't do anything beyond that. And listen, let me tell you, and I hope that you, you hear me and believe me, it is our pleasure to love you and to help you restore, you know, find that restoration in Jesus. We want to love you. This, this is why we're here. This is why we open the doors. We want to help you become healthy again, Okay? So just because, you know, some people aren't serving and for very, very good reason. Some people just need to be refreshed and do nothing else, okay? But besides those people, there's another group of people who show up, which is a good thing, right? We talked, you know, Gino very passionately <laughs> told us last week that we need to show up. That's good. You keep showing up. That's good. But when you show up and it's really easy for you to let everyone else do all the work, I want to say this as lovingly but as firmly as I can, that is not okay. It's not okay. Whether you're at work or at home or at school, at church, wherever you are, you're called by Jesus to be a servant. That's part of who you're supposed to be. And when you don't pull your weight, you're working directly against what Jesus has called you to be. And that's not okay. The Apostle Paul addresses this rather pointedly in 2 Thessalonians 3, starting in verse 6. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives. And don't follow the tradition that they receive from us. You see that, that heritage language? They don't follow the tradition that they receive from us. For you know you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard, we worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us. But we wanted to give you an example to follow, just like Jesus gave us an example to follow. Verse 10, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. You're not even staying quiet. 
We command such people and urge them in the name of, our, name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Now listen, to be clear, Paul is not talking about people who don't want to, you know, go to a day job and, and, and they live off government assistance. They didn't have that back then. Community of believers of Jesus, the followers of Jesus were a small group of people, an ostracized section of, of, of their communities. They needed each other. They relied on each other. We see this image in Acts, in the book of Acts, how they shared resources, right? It's not like us today where we just sort of do our own thing and we got other programs that might take care of us. These people all stuck together. They shared what they needed to share and they tried to take care of each other. And some people just didn't work. And Paul, again, in so many words, says it very clearly, that is not okay. That's not okay. Listen, if you're consistently showing up to things and never pitching in, you're only ever going to be a visitor. You're just going to be a visitor. And quite honestly, we love visitors here at the South Suburban Vineyard. We do. We say welcome all the time and we mean it. You're welcome to be a visitor for as long as you like. Really, never going to shut the door on you. And I don't know that we're going to ostracize you the way that Paul says maybe that we should. Never going to push you out. You can keep coming. But my hopes is that by the end of this sermon, you realize that you are called by Jesus to do more than that. You're called to live a life above that, with more purpose than that, than to just simply show up. You're called by Jesus to help, to pitch in, to serve your community, especially here at the church. Listen, if this is an area that you struggle with, I'd encourage you to plug into one of the several different you know, volunteer opportunities that we have here at the church. And there's some, there's, there's different ways to do that. You can talk to me or one of the other pastors, uh, or you could just grab a volunteer, someone who's obviously doing some work and ask them, hey, what's going on? How can I help? Do whatever you can to plug in. Plug in in an easy way. And again, this is a safe place. This is a place where we learn how to do things well. Because ultimately, we don't want to just be a community where all we do is serve one another. The whole point of what we do here is that we learn to be good servants so that we can go out beyond these walls and serve the communities around us, right? And what, if you're not serving here, it's very likely, it's very telling that you're not serving somewhere else. And so we want this to be a safe place where you can learn to do this well. Come on, serve. We're going to teach you. We're going to love you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to uh, coach you. We're going to do the best that we can so that you can be the best servant that Jesus has called you to be. Amen? All right. How do we respond? Worship team, you can come up. Well, as always, I think you can hear a sermon like this and, you know, Leave here and change nothing about your life, and guess what? God is still going to love you. He's still going to love you. But what if we use this as an opportunity to change the way that we think about serving? 
What if this was a transition moment for us? Where the way that we served and why we served maybe is a little bit different from now on. What if instead of going through the motions of serving, we remember why? We remember that when we serve others, we're serving our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're carrying on a holy legacy of humility and servitude. We're connecting people to his love. And in the process, we're connecting ourselves to the love of Jesus. Listen, friends, this is something that we can't ignore. This is central to who we are as followers of Jesus. It's essential to who we are. So if, if we're meant to live lives of servitude and be servants, why, why miss out on the many, many, many opportunities to encounter the living God as we serve? Why miss out? We're missing out on so much. In verse 17, Jesus ends his teaching by saying, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And this is where I want to leave you. You might feel a certain amount of conviction, and I think that's okay. But I don't want you to feel condemnation. I don't want you to start serving for all the wrong reasons. I want you to start serving because this is what Jesus called you to. And oh, by the way, when you do, God will bless you. And I fully trust that God lives up to his promises. He is faithful in that way. And maybe it's maybe not in the specific moment when we're serving or doing something specific. Maybe it comes a little bit later. But if we open ourselves up to the possibility, we can experience the love and blessing of God as we serve other people. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, again, I thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your generosity that just goes so far beyond our understanding. God, I, I only need to look at my life to see how I fall short in this area and how I need you. And God, I just, I just thank you. I thank you that you don't discard us when we, when we fall short. You don't just push us aside and look for the next candidate. You don't just leave us to be. God, you, you are always near us and you always want us to, to grow. You always want us and you help us to be more like Jesus. So God, I, I just ask that you would help us this morning. I ask that you would quiet the mouth of the enemy that would try to, to bring shame, that would try to bring condemnation, that would try to corrupt the good thing that you're trying to do here. Come, Holy Spirit, fill this place so that nothing that is not of you can enter, enter this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I know that we connect with you in different ways, but God, I just ask that right now, today, that you would overwhelm us. You would overwhelm us with your goodness. Come, Holy Spirit. Help us to love you. Help us to love other people. Help us, help us to serve. This is why you made us, God. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.